There is so much power when first responders get together and talk about the trauma and the suffering they have gone through. And more importantly, they talk about the road they have taken to recovery and wellness. My next guest you're going to love. He's a full-time police sergeant in the state of Washington. He also has a very good podcast. I was honored to be on recently, and his name is Christopher Luttrell. You do not want to miss this show. Next on the CJ Evolution Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Patrick here, host and creator of the Top Rank CJ Evolution Podcast. Top Rank because of you, the listener and supporter. Thank you so much. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. We know you're going to love the show. Long-time listener, welcome back. Thank you so much, all of you, for the continued support. And if you love the show, and I know you do, give us that five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast. Big shout-out to you, the criminal justice professional, the first responder, whatever you are doing, wherever you are at, thank you for doing it. And a big shout out to my brothers and sisters in Tempe Police Department. Tempe, Arizona, I had the honor of riding along with one of their officers yesterday. Big shout out to Blake. Thank you, brother. All the officers are motivated, dedicated to their job, serving their communities. Again, big shout out to all of you in Tempe. If you are suffering, folks, If you are going through some tough times right now, and we all do, and you don't know where to turn, you need help, Shatterproof and their first responder program is here for you. I went through this program. It saved my life. I had to do the work, but that was the foundation that got me on my journey I'm at right now. And you can do the same. Try not to be afraid. I know a lot of you are who are suffering. You're afraid of coming forward, what people are going to think of you, fear, ego, all that stuff. Make that call. Too many of our brothers and sisters are suffering in silence. In this battle, nobody, nobody fights alone. Remember that. You have much support. Reach out today, 303-960-9819. That's my personal cell phone. All calls are confidential. Let's get you the help that you need and deserve. What makes Shatterproof a very unique program is it's one of the only programs in the country that first responders can go to that is 100% all first responders. Everybody's in pretty bad shape when they get here. And then 30 days later, when you can see the transformation and the difference in people when they've had 30 days uh, of counseling, working with therapists, working with a psychiatrist, getting the neuro treatment, doing the breath therapy that's done here. The transformation that happens with the clients is really humbling to be able to work around and see because people are getting better here. And it just shows that there's a need for the first responder community to deal with behavioral health issues and take them seriously and offer treatment to people that may need help out there. They should be afforded the ability to come get help when they need help. It has gotten better, but we still have a long way to go. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Very excited to have this next guy on the show. He's a friend of mine now. We met a while back, and I had the honor of being on his podcast, the Gravity Podcast, Two Feet on the Ground. He's the podcast host and law enforcement officer doing great things for our brave men and women who serve. Christopher Luttrell. What's up, brother? 
Hey, brother. Thanks for having me here on the show. Oh, man. Thank you for being on. Uh, I had such a good time on your show uh, a while back, and we talked about, you know, you coming on, and I'm so glad you're here, brother. And thank you for what you're doing. Your your show is amazing. And all the show, oh, your show is going to be linked up in the show notes. Um, but tell us a little bit about your background, brother. I mentioned you're a law enforcement officer. You're a Leo, doing great work, been doing it for a long time. Tell us a little bit more about you, brother. Yeah, born and raised Washington State, got married when I was 19, joined the Air Force a short time after that. I was security forces, security police. Yeah, cool. Uh, <laughs> did that for six years, traveled around the world a little bit, met some remarkable people. Uh, then my wife and I just made a decision. It was time to get out. We I'd missed some birthdays and whatnot, and we wanted to prioritize family. So Absolutely. got out. Got out in 2005, became a civilian police officer over in the Seattle area, Seattle, Washington, and did that for a couple of years. And then I moved back to Eastern Washington, which is where my wife and I were both from and settled down here as a police officer. And I've just had, I mean, my gosh, the, the opportunities that I've had to do a lot of different jobs mm -hmm. at my agency has been remarkable. I was, I was a child crime detective and a gang detective at the same time. I wore the, both those hats for uh, for four years. I, I was on our SWAT team for a couple of years. I've been a peer support, uh, a CISM peer support group counselor. Uh, I was a school resource officer for three and a half years, probably one of my favorite jobs. I really yeah, like that was fun when I did it. <laughs> yeah. I love working with kids. They're, they're yeah. great. And a lot of my partners would be like, dude, I can't handle these knuckleheads. You know, <laughs> It's different Monday through Friday, yeah. Monday through Friday, seven to three, when you build relationships with them, the, their response to you, even the quote unquote knuckleheads, gang involved kids, when you build mm -hmm. relationships with them, it's, it's amazing to see what happens in, in reference to them opening up and sharing some of the tough stuff they have going on. So yeah, that was, that was amazing. Uh, I made the decision to, to test for Sergeant after that. So I had to leave the school. I did patrol. I was a member of our, our criminal apprehension street crimes team. For yeah. uh, and then I was also uh, sworn in by the U S Marshal service as a, uh, as a task force operator and really yeah. our task force uh, officer. I was just part-time. We have a full-time team of TFOs, but uh, they like to swear in some of the, uh, the street crime detectives because yeah. when they have a big thing going on, they need more resources. And then we can jump in the car and head wherever with them, Montana, Oregon, California, wherever the criminals are. So uh, that's just been awesome. And then now I finally landed back with the school. So I'm, I'm our community services off, uh, excuse me, community services sergeant. So I supervise our, our resource officers and our community services officer. And it just gets me in the school a lot. It gets me out doing positive community engagement stuff. I, I was at a school last night doing just yeah. a group fair at an elementary school. And I got so many hugs. And this is a kind of what, what you might say is the poor part of town, you know, at risk, that kind of stuff. Man, these kids just loved me. Not because yeah. I, they knew anything about me. It was just, they were just lovers. And they walked up and gave me hugs and high fives. And it was a great event. Well, I think... And thank you for your service, brother. I mean, I, I think in, in my opinion, I think it's how probably you carry yourself. You know, you're a very approachable guy. You're well-spoken. You're smart. You're authentic. You're genuine. But that doesn't happen with a lot of cops. You know that. And so the fact that, you know, these kids, you know, can, can flock to you and hug you, I think is a testament to you because not, not a lot of people are like that. I mean, they don't project that aura. What You know what I mean? Whatever you want to call it. They're, they And I got warned about that when I was a young cop. They're like, you look like a a robocop you look too mean so you know start start you know working on your communication start becoming more approachable so i think that's that's great brother that uh they were doing that and that's such a great feeling especially with young kids 
And that that's good. That's a really good point for, for officers. I think of all tenure is I have a resting face. That's it, <laughs> I don't, I don't try to put this. Uh, resting my resting face. face used to be this. Yeah. Well, I don't have the grim, <laughs> but it's, it, I don't smile. And so when I go into community events, I throw a huge smile on and I'm feeling yeah. happy. It's not faking it. Yeah. I'm, I'm feeling happy. To but that's that. huge. But I have to wear it and I don't typically wear it unless I actually consciously think about it. So I think that's really good tips for, yeah. for officers out there engaging. Now, now I got to ask you a serious question. Yeah. Is Bigfoot real? Now he's up in Washington. I know he is. And I know you're there. Yeah. Sweet. Mercy. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen some pictures. It makes me look real. But I'm not worried about him when I go camping. So that's just no, I'm in, I'm into these, you know, wacky shows sometimes. And I, it seems like if our listeners are going, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm serious. I, and I, I watch some of these shows and they say like a lot of Bigfoot sightings are up in like Washington area, Washington state. And like in California, I was just wondering because you're, you're there, brother. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't give it a lot of thought. <laughs> You're going. That's the last time I'm going to be on Patrick's show. I mean, that's just crazy. So, what do you? You've been around a long time in, in law enforcement. You talk about it on your show. Uh, you yourself have you know gone through pain and, and suffering. And um, do you think we're doing uh, enough? I think we're doing more than we have been when I was a young cop. Do you think we're doing enough? that we can for law enforcement, those officers, those frontline officers, or not even frontline, just veterans too. And, and not just officers, let me back up, first responders. Do you think we're doing enough or do you think we have a long way to go? Yeah, we, we have a long way to go. Now I say that, however, I think it's important to look at the history. I mean, my, I'm a third yeah. generation cop, right? My dad yeah. shares stories from the late eighties and early nineties where chiefs were like, we don't talk to peer support. We just, we just bury that stuff and go out and do the job, right? Nowadays at my agency, you ask for peer support. Uh, there's no questions. Like command has given, has written the blank check. Now people aren't abusing it, but if an officer needs support from their peers, we're going to get them support. If they need today off because they're struggling something in their personal life or professional life, we're going to give them the day off and us as leaders are going to figure out staffing. Right. And so uh, we, we've come a long way. The reason why I think we have a long way to go is because we have to be more intentional about these conversations. We say it's okay to not be okay, but then we don't always back it up with our sure. response when an officer says they're not okay. Right. I mean, we have to manage liability. We have to, we have to do that for, for everybody else as well. Right. We want to keep everyone safe, all the other officers as well. However, we, we just don't know what to do. I mean, I've seen officers off on admin leave because of, mental health issues. They're, they're trying to fix their brain. I've seen officers often admin leave because they got involved in a major incident. And I've heard administrators, and I'm not talking about my agency, I'm talking about across the state of Washington. I, I've heard administrators be like, well, I can't reach out and talk to them because you know, I can't talk with them about the thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Don't talk with them about the thing. Yeah. Reach Check out. out I care about you. Yeah. Hey, is there anything I can do? Yeah. Drop, drop by, give them a $10 coffee card. You don't have to give them a coffee card, but I'm just find little those little those little things yep. find you little know. ones to let our people know we care about them. yeah and, and i think you know the fact that your agency is, is is like that it's not the norm brother you know that because i think a lot of agencies out there say what they need to say but like you said when the when the you know what hits the fan and people will start reaching out then they're like either they don't know what to do or they revert back to that just suck it up it's part of the job yeah and 
you know, I, I think, I mean, it's, it's gotten better. I agree with you. It's gotten better, but I, I, I think we, we have a long way to go. And I, and you know, Chris, I mean, it's a, every organization, it's, it's a different culture. I mean, there's a, there's cop work overall, but then every organization. So I think the culture is the big thing. And I think what you're seeing now, and you I'd love to hear your thoughts is a lot of the younger police officers are not as afraid to come forward and say, look, I have a problem. Whereas the veterans, people like you and me, or you now, but since you're still on the job, you know, more, we're more apt to suppress it because that's just the generation we grew up in. Yeah. And you know what? I, I agree with you. I think the younger folks coming in the door are more apt to, to, to voice if, if they're, if they're not doing great. However, uh, I've seen it. I've seen senior dudes and, and dudettes. I've seen guys and gals that are willing, are willing to tell their story and, that's powerful. That's, that's powerful. Patrick, when a senior officer is willing to say, Hey, let me tell you about my story 10 years ago when I wasn't okay. thought I was losing my mind. And let me tell you what I did to heal my brain. And I've seen a lot of courageous senior folks do that. And I think that I, I give, I give those folks the credit for, for a piece of the younger folks being willing to say stuff because yeah. they can be willing to do it. But if the culture is, is going to crucify them for speaking up. They're going to keep their mouth shut and they're going to leave yeah. law enforcement and go find yeah. a job in the, in the for-profit, you know, business. Yeah. Sector. So in, in a way I feel bad for, you know, I mean, these senior administrators, most of them are older. And, you know, when you think about it, Chris, I know you know that what I'm about to say, and, and probably some of the listeners is, you know, this is not law. This is foreign territory for, for law enforcement. Yes. PTSD and trauma has always been there, but, it's on the forefront so much now because that's really not we were, what we were focused on when I was a young kid, going out there, apprehension, investigation, all that stuff. Now that it's become the forefront, I think a lot of agencies are like, what do we do? But a lot of agencies don't realize that there's so many resources out there. You got to vet those resources, as you know, and you got to make sure they're good resources, but there's a lot more resources than when you and I started. Yeah. I just had a, a an article release in uh, the FBI Lita's Insider Magazine. It's the, the winter edition that just came out, I think, in, within the last week or two. And my my article was inspired by a local administrator here in my in eastern Washington calling me up and asking me to meet him for coffee. And I'm watching this administrator hold back tears. And the reason he's holding back tears is because he cares about his people. Mm-hmm. It's like, what more can I do? I'm like, well, tell me what you've been doing, man. So he tells me what he's been doing. He's been doing a great job. But then I continued, right? Let's build on this, right? You can tell people you care, but for us to change the culture, we have to change the conversation. This has to be, this can't be a one and done. This can't be a 10 point PowerPoint slide. We have to, every single in-service training, every single uh, roll call when, when command is present, uh, every slowly and constantly, you're talking about how we how we care about our people, how we take care of our people. You're following up, you're backing it up. With your actions, like you just said, you vet resources so that when someone's struggling, we get square pegs and square holes, round pegs and round holes, right? Shatterproof is going to be the right organization for some of your folks. You're going to send them there. Other people just want to do outpatient in your community. Yep. You're going to send them there, right? So you got to know of these different resources to get the people there so that they can get the help they need. Yeah. And, and it's just, and, and the hardest thing, Chris, is, is that it's just making that step forward. And for 100%. me, you know, you know my story and I'm not going to repeat it. I mean, but I, the big thing for me was fear. 
Oh yeah. And ego. And I think that's the biggest thing is just putting those aside. And I know you've been through stuff where you're like, you know, I need to do this for me. You know, it's not that I'm indifferent to my family or I don't care about them or my friends, but I need to do this for myself. And I think we as first responders, you know, we're so used to taking care of everybody else and putting ourselves on the back burner that we're just not used to it. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's problematic. You know, the yeah. fact that more and more people, you talk to a lot of people, brother, I, I, I can count on one hand, the people I talk to that are actually want to stay in law enforcement, the rest are one out. And that's sad for a variety of reasons, but usually it's because they're burned out and they can't take it anymore. Or the admin, you know, they feel like they don't have their back. I mean, you've heard it, you, you know what I'm talking about. You know, I found it in interesting. I was, I was doing a fugitive transport here. I don't know, about a month and a half, two months ago. And I went with a really, really junior uh, officer who I really didn't know. And while we were on the transport, I'm just listening to him. Right. And he's, he's a great dude. Tell me a lot of stuff. And, and he looked at me because I said something about morale being low. And he looks at me and goes, boss, morale's great for, for everyone that's King 90. So we have King numbers at my agency, uh, call signs, right? The chief sure. is, is, is King one. And, and the lowest ranking person in the door is King 108. Uh, and this guy was like somewhere around like King 104 type thing. Right. And he was just like King 90 up. We just love being here. We're just happy to be cops. Like this is the greatest job in the world. And I'm like, yes, yes. That's the attitude. Right? I love that attitude of the young folks. Right. I, I remember feeling that way. And so uh, he, he said that it's the senior folks that are, that are struggling. It's the folks that have been here for five plus years that are struggling right now. And it just kind of gave me some perspective of, of we do need to be intentional about, about improving our culture. However, we have a whole bunch of young folks that are just happy to have a job right now. Yeah. And, and they're enjoying being police officers and they're, it's different than when you and I became a cop, but they're figuring it out and they're still going out there and protecting the community. Yeah. But the problem is too, Chris, you know, this is some of those senior officers uh, and I know because I I was one of them a long time ago is you become jaded. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you become cynical. And then it starts to rub off on the the newer officers. Oh, yeah. So you have to be, you know, you and you we're all human. We all have bad days. We all get in bad moods. But if it's sustained and you're like that all the time, then it's going to rub off on other people. And I remember. um we had a couple FTOs like that, you know, that were senior guys that were great cops, but they just, their attitude sucked, but they were the ones training these new people. And whenever they rotated through a phase and they got this person, it was like, they were, they were becoming cynical. And it was like, we need to get those people out of those positions because the FTOs, as you know, are very, you know, they can inspire or do the opposite. And so, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a tough it's a tough tightrope, you know, mm -hmm. you know, but uh, yeah, I mean, for those new guys to, that are excited, I was riding along with Scottsdale PD last week and I met this new officer just been on is actually was on FTO and the same thing. He is excited. He is just happy to, it's always ever wanted to do was to be a cop and to see his energy and to see his passion for what he's doing and learning. I, I went up to him, shook his hat. Thank you, man. Thank you for, for doing what you're doing. That's keep that passion, keep that drive, take care of yourself, you know, and surround yourself with good people. Yeah. 
you know, this is this is where I always struggle as a leader because I I think it's my responsibility to positively impact uh, people's attitudes. However, as an individual, I don't put that same responsibility responsibility on my bosses. Mm-hmm. I think it's my responsibility to to handle my attitude. Mm-hmm. And you know, man, Washington State's been through some tough stuff in 2021. Our lawmakers took away reasonable suspicion Terry stops. Uh, You weren't allowed to touch people unless you had probable cause to arrest them, which let's face it, most of the time that you're responding to an in-progress robbery, assault, you don't have probable cause. You have reasonable suspicion. You stop people, you investigate, you either develop probable cause or you release people. But, But Washington State took that away from us. And it was really, really hard for us to go out there and do our jobs and keep the community the safe, the same way that we we've done it in the past. And so I was done. I had a piss poor attitude and I mm-hmm. was done and it wasn't my fault. It was those darn lawmakers. Yeah. And I, I started applying for for-profit companies and had some interviews and I'm moving through the process. And then I finally realized I was the problem. Mm-hmm. I was the problem. I was the problem that I wasn't happy anymore. Because I wasn't being thankful about anything. And I know you and I have talked about this before, gratitude. But I just, I slowly, like driving to work in the morning with a warm cup of coffee in my hand, I just decided I was going to start exercising gratitude every single day. I was going to be thankful for the hot cup of coffee. I was going to be thankful that I have a house. Thankful that I have a car that I can drive to work in. Thankful that I had a job where I got to go earn money to feed my family, right? And, and I'm, I'm telling you, Patrick, I'm telling you, my wife would tell you probably within a week. I all of a sudden was standing up straight again. Mm-hmm. She said she, she saw the physical change in me and, and nothing changed. Ex- well, eventually stuff did change externally. The lawmakers fixed some of those laws, which I got to give them credit. If I'm going to criticize them, I got to give them credit for, for fixing errors. Right. <laughs> yep. We have reasonable suspicion. Terry stops back. Uh, but, but I was the problem. Now yeah. I'm not saying that, that that's the only thing. Just think rosy thoughts. No, I wasn't just thinking rosy thoughts, but I was recognizing the things that I had to be thankful for. And it really dramatically changed my attitude. And it, 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 it caused me to start enjoying my job again. So, so powerful, Chris, what you just said, I, I posted something today, basically exactly what you just said. It all starts with you. Nobody is going to come in and make your life better. Nobody's going to make you rich unless you win the lottery or something, you know, but then what are the chances of that? The bottom line is you hit it, brother. It starts with you. It starts with the six inches between your ears. Yes. You know, you know, nothing is uniform, unicorns and rainbows all the time. You're going to have bad days, but how you react to that and just starting off with gratitude, like you said, that it's so powerful. I know some listeners are probably going, Oh, that's hokey. I'm telling you, man, it works. If you start every day by saying, look, I'm just lucky to be here. I, I got one more day to be here, make an impact. You're, you know, and I've done it exactly what you've done. And within a couple of weeks, yeah, I might not, I might not react the same anymore like I used to. Because here's the thing I learned, brother. And you might have heard me say this before. Most of the shit I worry about, either one never comes to fruition, and if it does, it's much smaller than I imagined it in my mind. My mind grew up, you know, blew it into this mountain and some of them are, but now I have a new perspective on it. Yeah. Okay. I can conquer that mountain. So for the listeners out there, exactly what Chris said, you know, if you're having problems right now in your agency, you know, and there's a lot of BS in agencies, I know that, but you know, you can change, change how you feel, how you react like Chris did. 
you know, and I've been there, you know, okay, I control what I think. I control my attitude. Powerful stuff, brother. Now, let me be clear, because I think I've shared part of my story with you before. When I was a child crime detective in 2009, I experienced an anxiety disorder, depression, uh, had some really scary thoughts bouncing through my brain about self-harm. And I, I couldn't just feel better. In that moment, me thinking that, oh, I like having a warm cup of coffee wasn't going to fix it, right? So I'm not saying that, that gratitude That's a great is, point. is the fix for everything. Because when I went through that, uh, and I eventually developed into post-traumatic stress injuries, I had to go to a doctor and a, and a counselor, a mental health professional to fix my brain. That was the only way that was going to do it. I was on a emotional psychological roller coaster and, and I didn't think I was going to be a cop anymore. And I was scared yeah. of me. Yeah. And so me, me voicing, I, I started with my mom, told my mom, Hey mom, like I'm not doing good and I don't know what to do. I think I'm broken. And she says, tell your wife. So I told my wife, my wife gave me a hug and said, babe, we're going to get through this. Went and talked with the counselor the next day and just wept right on her couch. I'm crazy clearly. And she looked at me and goes, Chris, you're not crazy. This is what the human brain does when it experiences the loss and trauma that you're experiencing as a child crime detective and a SWAT cop and a yeah. gang, right? Like this is normal. And I didn't even believe her at first until I had other cops come and tell me their story. Some of them, I think maybe she sent others. She did not. And then I just got to give God credit, right? Why are these people coming and telling me yeah. their story when they don't know I got stuff going on? And finally, I, I started to believe it. I started to believe that I was going to be okay. I started to believe that the therapy was actually going to work. And guess what? It did. Mm -hmm. It healed my brain. Yes. And, and I still have good days and bad days. Everyone does. Everybody right? does. Yeah. But I don't have the, that clinical depression and anxiety attacks that feel like heart attacks and all that. I mean, it was, it was bad. And so I just wanted to throw that out there. That no, I think that is, I'm glad you did that because I, I, it's like, I remember until I went through my own stuff, Telling somebody to snap out of it and just have positive thoughts is like passing somebody when they're holding on with one hand with their fingers at the edge of a cliff getting ready to fall. And you walk by or I walk by and say, hey, man, just think positively <laughs> until and I used to say that until so I'm oh, yeah. glad you you added to that because you're exactly right, because until I was the one hanging on the cliff. Yeah. And I had friends just telling me, I want you just man, just. Be more positive. Well, Just it's go not, for a run. not friggin'. Yeah. Go for a run. It's not working. So I'm glad you, you went further with that because that's, that wasn't my intention. Yes. Like Chris said, you know, you need to work on yourself, get therapy, talk, get a counselor. And there's no shame in that. And for the people who are, might tell you that you don't need them in your life. Yes. You don't need people in your life. If you're trying to work on yourself and you're trying to get better, you know, but then with the foundation, like I and you learned in, in, in therapy, Chris, and I learned it definitely in therapy is, okay, now you have the foundation. Now you can start working on those, you know, you know, gratitude and mindfulness and things like that. So you build on that foundation. So I'm glad you said that, brother. Very important. Very important. So what if, and, I, and you probably get this all the time, Chris, I'm a young young kid. And I come to you and I say, you know, Sergeant Latrell, I, I want to become a cop. What advice would you give me? Do it. Yeah. We, need, we need great cops. We need great cops, people of character that are going to go out there and keep our community safe. I genuinely believe that law enforcement, and I, I love all of our first responders, the firefighters, the paramedics, mm -hmm. ER staff, our, our military, they are all doing critical roles. 
But when it comes to law enforcement specifically, the job that they're doing, and I'm, I don't think this is overstated. I think they are literally holding together the fabric of our democracy. Well, I believe I believe that too. We, if you are a law enforcement law enforcement officer, you are a hero. You may not think you're a hero, and I get it because I don't think I'm a hero typically either. So I get it, right? We 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 like to deflect that that type of attention. But here's the deal, folks: without you standing watch, without you being willing to step up when when the defenseless can't take care of themselves and stop stop truly evil people and, and, and criminals from taking advantage of other people, our society would just fall apart. And so when, when I hear people say they want to be a, become a police officer, I say, absolutely. Do. If one of my kids right now said, dad, I want to be a, I want to be a cop. I'd be like, let's do this girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would fully support him. Now, is it easy? Do I like it? Like I liked it when I was in 2005. No, I don't no. like it as much as I did in 2005. I was brand new. Right. And yeah, yeah hair on fire and chasing after criminals foot pursuits every night. I mean, life was great. And, and as I've matured in our profession, uh, I've, I've obviously taken some, some hits right with, you know, my own mental health. Everybody does. Yeah. So it's, uh, I I would tell people to do it, but I would tell people, Hey, here's the deal. You need to be on, on top of this, this taking care of yourself stuff. No more. Yeah. I get three hours of sleep a night. And then I, (laughs) And then I'm going to drown. I'm going to fall asleep by, by drinking half a pint, right? No more of this stuff of let's, let's use alcohol to help us get to sleep and deal with the stress. If you enjoy a beer, enjoy a beer. Like I'm not going to sit there and, you know, monitor your alcohol, but here's the deal. We've been abusing it. We've been getting too little sleep and we haven't been taking care of ourselves. And then when we start to have all these problems, we wonder why, well, it's because we're not doing the things that our body uh, that we're supposed to do to care for this body that we got. So uh, that's what I would tell them is, is do it. And then you need to be on top of taking care of yourself Absolutely. While, while you're a police officer. Mental health, physical health, all that stuff uh, is so important. And that's the stuff that, you know, it, it wasn't talked about very much when, when I was a young cop. And, you know, and now that we talked about earlier with peer support and wellness becoming more prevalent within organizations, uh, I just wish more organizations were kind of on board with that. A lot of them are, but a lot of them aren't. You know that, you know, and and in putting officer wellness on, on the forefront, you know, because the reality is, brother, you know this. I mean, people aren't flocking to the profession anymore. The attrition rates are through the roof. I don't know how many, you know, officers you're down in your agency, but you know, I was just down in you know, Florida talking to an agency, and they're down like 300 cops. Oh wow! So um, yeah, it's it's a it's a very tough time to uh, to do that, and I think it's you know it's a lot tougher than when I was a cop. You know, I mean, I, I think, I think, and I can't believe that they you know, getting back to what happened in Washington, that they were, they got rid of Terry stops. You told yeah. me that. And I'm like, oh my God, how do you, how do you do your, your job? Yeah, how, you know? Why is the state government, why is the state government taking away something that the U.S. Supreme Court has said is lawful? Yeah, you know, and, and, Terry versus Ohio. and ultimately you're making it less safe for the the rest of your community and the victims. I mean, that's really what what's what's happening with that. Now, again, I got to give them props. They they recognized it pretty early on. Unfortunately, they were out of session. Most state legislatures uh, aren't in session all year round, so they had to wait until they went back into session before they fixed it. But it was one of their top priorities. They fixed it pretty quick in early 2022, and then we were able to go out there and, and do our job. I think they're even going to improve some of the stuff even more here in 2023. So, um, you know, it's it's part of human, right? Part, part of us being human people are, some people are trying to fix things and try to 
thinking outside of the box, but I think you got to get more people around the table. Let's yes, let's think outside the box, but let's get all the stakeholders around the table. Yeah, exactly. You know, people who actually do law enforcement, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the people who actually are out there, you know, every day, you know, doing it. Um, so before we talk about the podcast, um, I wanted to ask you um, for the listener out there and your comments really quick for the listener out there, brother, who is hesitant with stepping forward and, and maybe calling you or calling somebody else or reaching out for help. What advice would you give them? Oh. Brothers, sisters, call. Oh my gosh, the weight that's going to be taken off of your shoulders. Because I, I kept it to myself. This was this deep, dark thing that if I told anyone, they, they were going to think I was crazy. Not a single person thought I was crazy. Everyone recognized that this was just normal trauma, trauma response to the stuff I'd seen. So I'm telling you, you're, you're not losing your mind. You're not crazy. You can get better. And whether you stay in law enforcement or, or, or EMS or whether you stay in your current profession, I don't care about that. I mean, if you want to, then I care about it. But I'm just saying, if you've, if you've done the job for a year, for five years, for 10 years, for however long, and you're like, I want to heal my brain and I want to leave my job. Excellent. Let's heal your brain. And then let's look for some other work to do. Yeah. But, but that's what I would say is pick up the phone and, and call someone. Call someone that you trust, that you know you can talk to, and then and get the higher levels of care when it comes to docs and, and mental health professionals. Yeah, just make that call, folks. Like Chris said, uh, there'll be some resources in the show notes uh, and listen to, you know, a great podcast. Like, Chris, that's a good segue into your podcast, brother. Now, let's talk about it. Gravity Podcast, two feet on, two gra- uh, two feet on the ground. I, again, when I, when I started the show, I was on this amazing show. How did you say, I'm going to go and I'm going to do this show? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this podcast. Because a lot of people are starting shows. But you, you're thinking about starting shows, but you actually pulled the trigger, figuratively speaking, and you actually did it. Yeah, you know, my wife and I were, were watching the political unrest, the divisiveness of our of our nation over the last probably two and a half years. And we found ourselves in the middle. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't have opinions on things, but we just found ourselves oh, being okay, not not agreeing with, with all of and our And that's a good thing. And that's a every- good thing. Yep. And so, but I, I watched some of my friends who weren't okay with it and, and they're firing at each other. And I'm watching churches and communities just pick these sides. And now, now we're demonizing the people that disagree with us, whether it be left and right, whether it be a uh, Christian and Muslim, whatever the two sides were. And my wife and I were like, don't we have more in common than we have in, you know what I'm saying? In differences. Mm-hmm. Can't we like focus on our, the stuff that we have in common, right? Like my neighbors, I don't have to know what they think politically. I don't care. Yeah. Are they a good neighbor? Yes, they are, right? They, they're going to pull my garbage can in, 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 in the evening. I'm going to help mow their lawn. We're going to take care of each other as human beings. And I don't care anything, your sexual orientation. I don't care any of that stuff. The stuff I care about is whether you're a human being that respect, respects others. And so that's really where the the idea of the podcast. How do we maintain our yeah. gravity? How do we keep two feet on the ground and not get carried away with the noise and the chaos? Manage some decorum, you know, yep. come together, talk about our differences. Yep. So that was where we started. And then my wife and I, my wife's a co-host on the show. We do Marriage Mondays twice a month Which where we try to, try to talk about the same thing. How do we maintain perspective, keep two feet on the ground in marriage? Like, what are the things? And sometimes we literally had a fight last night before we get recorded. <laughs> 
And sometimes we haven't resolved the fight. Yeah. A couple of times we've hit record and we're talking about it. And I'm going, oh, that makes a lot more sense now, sweetheart. And so we're trying to be transparent and show some of our own mess ups. But that's authentic. That's what people want, brother. You know that. I'm hoping people are learning from it, right? If, if they can watch us or listen to us do that, I'm hoping it motivates them then to go to their spouse, go to their kids, go to their boss, go to their neighbor, whoever, and, and try some of the disciplines that we're, that we're talking about from communication to uh, dating our spouse, to showing empathy, to, and we talk about a lot of different things on the show, uh, but that's what we're trying to do. Create a space uh, where we can give people some perspectives to, to try out in their own lives. And I love it because as, I mean, you hit it. I mean, people are so, and I'm like you, I mean, I don't, I don't care what you're, I mean, I have my political, you know, thoughts and opinions on things, but I don't, I don't care. You do you, I do me. And the, you know, we're such a polarized nation now. Everybody's in their little silos and it used, you know, it didn't used to be that way where you could actually talk to people from the opposite side of you. And, but now it's just so divisive, you know, maybe not everybody, but it sure seems like it brother. Turn on the news. That's why I don't watch the news. a lot anymore. <laughs> now they're, I mean, you probably saw it in, uh, in uh, California, where they're they're banning the thin blue line flag, and now some people might not like it, but it's it's a flag. It represents law enforcement, and you know you know it's it's we've come to that in society, you know, and yeah. divisive. So I'm glad that there's a show like you and your wives out there, you know, that talk about these issues. You can get on there, and I and I love it. I'll say it before I. Before I started the show, brother, I said, you know, I, I just like talking. Sure, I know who you are and I know your background and things like that. But I like having these organic conversations, you know, where it's 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 not scripted. The fact that you and your wife can get on there, which is in itself, <laughs> and talk about things. And I think it's, it's really, really cool. And it's it, that's what people, I think, yearn for. They yearn for authenticity and being authentic you know, and, and just talking about some issues that really resonate with everybody. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get her to, to broach the sex subject because just a huge piece within relationship, right? Absolutely. And when it's done right, it's amazing. And it, and it draws you closer when we do it wrong, it really creates a lot of issues. And so I've, but, but she, she has a really, really big boundary. I would say a really big wall uh, that, that, <laughs> I can't go over that wall. I, I hit the wall as much as I can. I think it's relevant. And I, it brings a little bit of humor to the show when I start getting close to the wall, but she gives me the look and yeah. Well, I think that's a great topic. I mean, who am I? But I, I you know, intimacy, like you said, is a, is a very important part of a relationship. And, you know, if intimacy dies in a relationship or there's not much of it or whatever, I think the relationship eh, yeah. probably not going to last, you know, long-term. So I think that's a great topic. I'll get her there eventually. What's that? <laughs> and I'll get her to talk about it on, on the air. We'll see. I don't know, maybe Just not. maybe give her a couple glass of wine or something. <laughs> Let me tell you something. <laughs> I don't know if I want to record under the. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah. Uh, brother, you're amazing. Chris, if people want to reach out to you, brother, find your amazing show, find out more about you. How can they find you? Yeah, pretty much on every podcast platform. You can search Absolutely. Gravity Podcast, Two Feet on the Ground. Uh, search my name, Chris Littrell. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm really active on LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram and whatnot. So give us a look, reach out to Chris. Everything's going to be in the show notes, brother. I love you. God bless you. 
Thank you for being on the show. Anything I could do for you, all you need to do is just give me a ring. And I hope to have you back on. I'd love to have you and your wife back on. Oh, that'd be a good idea. Yeah. That'd be good. That'd be awesome. And uh, again, check out the his podcast. It really is amazing. Gravity Podcast, Two Feet on the Ground. Again, linked up in the show notes, brother. God bless you. Thank you for serving uh, this great country. And be safe. Thank you, brother. Such a great show with Chris. And if you love the audio of this show, check out the video of this great podcast, CJ Evolution Podcast YouTube channel. The link is in the show notes. Go out there, be safe. Remember, you are loved, and I will talk to you next time.